Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. All right, it's a last verse. The last verse in the book of Matthew, chapter 28 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. We all know who said that. Jesus said that. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. If you are a saved child of God, you have the indwelt Holy Spirit. You know what that means? Always you have the guidance of Christ. You have the, you've heard this term, the providential hand of God. Always. You are never alone. You've got God's spirit that dwells within you. Do you have weeks where it's hard to get through the week? And I bet you you got some days it's hard to get through. Don't forget, always, you have Christ with you, always. You know how important that is? If you are brought up in traditional religion, and you have something to contrast that with, the presence of Christ with you always, I was brought up in Roman Catholicism. You know where we were taught the presence of Christ was? In a, in a, in a Eucharist, in a, in a piece of bread, in a, in a wafer. They called it a host. I'll just give you a little background so you, you can kind of draw back the lens with me and see where millions of people come from. They have, um, they believe that that host, that Eucharist, that they'll take in communion, they believe that that is the literal body of Jesus Christ. And you say, Brother Jimmy, that is just insane. That's insane to you because you weren't brought up with that. But millions of people are being brought up with that and are taught that to have the presence of Christ, they need to come to church and take a wafer, which they call a consecrated host. And this is worshipped. Matter of fact, if it drops on the floor in church, when you're, when you're getting it from the priest, it has to be eaten immediately. You have to pick it up and consume it immediately. If a priest were to serve that, that host, that Eucharist, in, in a senior's home, they went and did a nursing home ministry. And a senior dropped it or, or, it or spits it out. They have to take that and put it in what they call a purifying altar linen, fold that up. And then that priest has to take it back to the church and dispose of it properly. What is that? Very simply put. It's idolatry. 
But when you are steeped in religion, you don't see the idolatry. They firmly and genuinely believe that that is where the presence of Christ abides. Is that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. But it does get a little bit worse in the idolatry than that. To dispose of what they would call a sacred host, the priest has to dissolve it in water so it no longer has the appearance of bread. And once it's liquefied, they would take it and they would pour it down. A sacrarium. You say, what's a sacrarium? In Roman Catholic theology, that's a word that means a sacred sink. I'm not making this up. They believe the literal presence of Christ is in a piece of bread. And if that presence of Christ were dropped in any way, they would have to dispose of it by putting it into a sacred sink. Don't laugh. That's the truth. You say, what's you say, what's so sacred about the sink? For one, it lies within a room called a sacristy. That's the sacred room where the sacred sink lies, where they have to take the sacred host. It's idolatry. It's a golden calf of idolatry. You say, okay, so what's, tell me the sink deal. What's so sacred about that? They don't run it into the sewer system. It runs into the earth because they believe that host contains the literal body of Christ, the presence of Christ. And so they have a whole order of how it needs to be disposed properly. Well, what if I don't do it that way? What if the priest doesn't dispose of it properly? What if Catholic Church Canon Law number 1367 states this. If you throw it away, take it away, or you keep it, if you keep it, priest gives it to you, you keep it, take it home, you are immediately excommunicated from the church. You're done. And the only way to have your excommunicated communication lifted is you need to go to your priest and then you priest. He asked to write to His Excellency, Most Reverend Luigi de Magistris. Guess where he resides? In good old Vatican City. 0012. You don't believe me? You can research that yourself. Why am I telling you this on a Thursday night in a Baptist church? You may have never heard of it. That's exactly why I'm telling you that information. Because you think it's silly. You think it's funny. You think, how can anybody believe that? Which is why the call is to go out and preach the gospel. Because you would be surprised at the things people believe and the things that people trust in. There's no presence of Christ there. But if you believe that the, present, uh, the presence of Christ abides in that wafer, you will go to great lengths to keep this church canon law. And millions of people do. Religion enslaves. I'm telling you, this world's lost. This world is lost. Go to Philippians 4. 
I have, you have, if you're saved tonight, the constant abiding presence of God himself. Always, always. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. You've got it. You don't have to go to church to receive the presence of Christ for his grace. Amen. All right, we in Philippians 4? Did I say Philippians 4? Okay, Philippians 4 word. Guess what else you always have? Let's start in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. You know what else always we should be doing? Rejoicing. You know whose life first that was? You know, he'd sign something or sign a Bible or. That was, that was Patch the Pirate's life verse. Rejoice, Philippians 4. Always. Ron Hamilton, he passed, he just, he just passed into eternity. Now he's home with the Lord. If you had eye cancer as a young man, would you rejoice always? You know that's what happened to him. You know, that's why he wore the patch and became Patch the Pirate, do you? But he rejoiced in the Lord. He rejoiced always. He had some other tragic things happen in his life, which, if it happened to you or it happened to me, would you rejoice? Fathers, mothers, if you lost your son, if you lost your daughter, would you still be able to rejoice in the Lord always? I'm not asking it to be a tough question. People go through some awful things and have to experience some awful pain. But God said, God said in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And that's a great verse. Look at verse number 11. It says, now, I, now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Man. What a powerful verse. We've got some things to praise about this week. Man, someone got a job. That's something to rejoice in. Someone got a raise. That's something to rejoice in. But without the raise, without the job, the two folks I have on my mind, I believe they're still rejoicing. Then the raise comes. Oh, wow, I can rejoice some more. But if the raise didn't come, if the job didn't come, guess what they're still doing? Rejoicing. You know what you can do? Always, always, you can count on God's presence and dwelt within you. Always, you can count on the fact that no matter what you're going through, you can rejoice in the Lord. It's going to be hard to rejoice in some of the pains we have physically and emotionally and mentally here on this time we have on earth. But you can count on it. You can rejoice in the Lord. You can be content in what the Lord has given you. Look at the 13th verse. 
I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. My, my, my. What are those things? Look at verse 8. All these things that are listened, true, uh, listen, things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely. You see all that? All those things. Think on that. Bible says those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And it goes on. I can do all things. What things? Those things. Those things. Because Christ is the one that strengthens you. Always. Man, I'm just I need to get I need to get to church to get some some of the presence of the Lord. No, you don't. You might come into the church house and get in the presence of his saints. Amen. That's a good thing. But I'm telling you, if you are saved, you have constantly with you the presence of Christ. You can count on his strength. Contentment will come from him. And you can, oh, because of that, you can rejoice always, always, always. Second Corinthians six. Let's turn there. Second Corinthians chapter number six. And I know. Okay, well, let's read the verse. Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. I'm thinking of a brother right now we've been praying for, we are praying for, going through some awful, awful pain in his body. That's enough to make you sad. (laughs) That's enough to make you sorrowful. Imagine being the one going through it. How do you feel today? Well, I just feel great. No, I don't feel that great. I feel like everything hurts. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. You can be sad about some things. It's normal. It's natural. It's an emotion God gave you. But as you sorrow, guess what you and I can still do? What's the answer? Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. You can do that amidst sorrow. Oh, but preacher, you don't know. I'm just so poor. But you have a God that's rich in mercy. You have an eternal inheritance that doesn't even compare to what you and I have down here. Man, we get so used to what what we call creature comforts. We get so used to it. Man, we've got two cars. We've got two stories on our house. 
We've got two of everything nowadays. We've got two phones. We've got more choices than we need on places to eat. We don't have one supermarket in town. We have two. We have three. We have four. Man, we get so used to life being easy and comfortable. And if there's something we can't afford or there's something that we can't buy or we don't have enough money for this or enough money for that, man, we just think, man, I'm just poor. I just wish I had more money. You don't need more money. You need more rejoicing. And the things that you have that you can be content with, right? I mean, you live in America. Did you have a pair of shoes to put on today? Did you have some socks to put under those shoes? Amen. Did you have a shirt to put on? Do you realize that many people in America take for granted clean socks, clean underwear, clean sheets, clean clothes. And God forbid if anybody expects any of us to take a cold shower. We have hot water heaters that allow the water that will clean us just the same with soap. We get to have it. Now isn't that a blessing? Is anybody ready to give up their hot water? Didn't think so. It wasn't always like that, folks. Let me say this. It isn't always like that now with many people. We have plenty to rejoice about. As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Do you realize how much you possess? I don't really think the most spiritual person in this room tonight, I don't really think that person can wrap their mind around the amount of possessions spiritually that you and I have from the sea. Now you think about Paul writing this under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. If there was somebody in the Bible that had plenty of opportunity for an occasion of grief, for an occasion to be sorrowful? Guess who'd be? It'd be Paul. Anybody here shipwrecked? I mean, your car breaks down. You can do an app on your phone. You probably can fix the car. <laughs> at the very least, you know what you can do? You can contact help. And within five minutes, you probably can have somebody at your car helping you out. You ever been shipwrecked, though? You better wait for that helicopter to come. They sent out another boat to get you. You've been stoned, imprisoned. I mean, Paul went through some horrible things. He had plenty of opportunities to be sorrowful and have an occasion to grieve. Yet, you know what he always had? An occasion for joy. I'm telling you, the world can't see what you have. The world can't appreciate what you have and what I have. They don't understand. Man, how can you go out publicly? And stand on a street corner or stand out in a festival or waste your time talking to somebody about God on your lunch break? What type of nut job would do that? They don't see it. They don't appreciate it. Don't expect them to. 
you do. American evangelical Christianity looks at Paul and says, oh, that poor man is always suffering. Let's show him how to have his best life now. And Paul's thinking, I've got my best life. I have the constant abiding presence of Christ. And amidst all my grief, he finds an occasion to rejoice and to be content. Praise God. Ephesians 6. What a great chapter this is. Got a good amount of young people in church tonight, so we might as well read the first verse. Children, what does it say? Obey your parents in the Lord. And then there's a semicolon. Because that very important thought connects with another very important thought. And it makes it a complete sentence and a complete thought. And it says this. For this is right. <laughs> it is never wrong to obey your parents in the Lord. It's a, it's a right thing to do. So do that always as well. We're just slipping that in there for extra. There's no charge for that. Okay. Verse number 18. Look what it says. Here's our always verse. We look at the first verse. Now we'll look at the last one. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all preservation, uh, perseverance and supplication for all saints. Are you a soldier or are you a Christian soldier? Put your hand up if you're a Christian soldier. Okay. Now, a soldier might just go to battle. But a Christian soldier doesn't just go to battle. A Christian soldier prays before he goes to battle. Because he's trusting the Lord to give him or her the victory. An unsaved soldier doesn't pray. He just meditates about himself and will have some positive affirmation. I mean, he's going to try to win, but he's going to give himself the victory. Christian realizes God gives the victory. What do we have in the middle of verse one in the last verse, uh, or, or at least verse 16 or 18 that we just read? We have in the middle of that, we have all of this armor. It starts at about verse number 11. The whole armor of God. And you can have all of that armor. But if you don't have the praying part, that last part, you missed out on the most important part. Because the armor is nothing without the praying. Pray always, always, always. Does a soldier. Is a soldier always in battle? No, he sleeps, he eats, he has other duties. Oh, it's peacetime, okay. But what should he always be doing? Pray, because he knows the battle's coming. Always, always pray, pray. God's going to give the victory. You know what 
I, I get these emails more now as a pastor than I did before, but there's always people vying for the pastor's attention. Elections are coming up, so you're going to get all the conservative candidates reaching out to you. All the big faith-based organizations reaching out. Would you like to come to this? Would you like to come to that? All vying for attention. What they really want you to do is put your trust in them. A lot of conservatives, a lot of Americans, a lot of Christians have more hope and more trust in the White House than they do in God's church house. They do. And it ought not be. We have a battle to be won, and it's not a conservative battle. It's not a political battle. It's not a social battle. It's a battle for the hearts and souls of lost men and women. Are you praying always? Young people, you don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to answer verbally, but I'm asking you tonight. Do you pray? Not, well, my daddy prays with me before he tucks me in at night. Or my mama prays with me before we eat breakfast. Or, well, my Sunday school preacher pray, a teacher prays with us before Sunday school. Or, well, yeah, my preacher, he prays and some of the men of the church pray. No, I'm asking you, young people, I'm asking you tonight, do you, do you pray? If not, quit it with the whole armor stuff and start praying. Because then you'd be able to appreciate the armor much better. This plays out in many ways. You think you give a young boy, you give him his first BB gun, and he's ready to he's ready to storm outside and go shoot a squirrel. Pointing at his sister, he's got his finger on the trigger. You know, BBs are going off. And we like the armor. We like to get at it. So what do we do? We got to kind of take a step back and say, okay, let's go over some of these safety rules. Let's why? We like the armor. We just like to go at it. God says, look, you've got some armor. This isn't a carnal battle. It's a spiritual battle. But here's the thing. Don't you just start running out there trying to charge hell with a water gun. You better get some praying. You better get some praying. Pray always. Rejoice always. You have the presence of Christ with you always. Don't forget that, young people. We look at prayer as just a quick text message to God and we're good. And then other people, it's just long and drawn out. And it's just eloquent thing. It's got to be somewhere in the middle where, okay, we are fervently going to God and, and asking, praying, thanking. How many of you complain this month? How many of you murmur this week? How many of you had a disagreeable spirit today? 
We're not called to murmur always. We're not called to complain always. We're not called to have a disagreeable spirit always. We are called to pray always. Whatever happened to you this week, last week, or last month, get over yourself. There's going to be somebody else that's going to show up in your life and their, and their goal in life. The reason it seems like the reason God put them there is to annoy you. <laughs> it's not going to go away. If it's not this person, it's going to be that person. If you think, oh, well, I did, that went well. At least we're done that. You're going to turn around. Boom. You're going to get smacked in the face with something else. That's the way it goes. There are more murmuring church people in America. There are more complaining church people in America than there are praying church people in America. You know why I know that? Because church splits happen all the time. I have enough pastors that have been in the ministry a lot longer than I have that have shared some great insight with me as far as how things go. And you know what the common denominator is? People complain, people murmur. You ever been in church or heard a story about a church? But man, that preacher's always mean, he's always upset about something. What's his problem? He's complaining and he's murmuring. People complain, well, the preacher don't love me. People complain, well, the preacher don't spend enough time. People complain, well, the preacher thinks, sees this this way and I don't see it this way. You know what the preacher does? Preacher complains, well, the people don't see it the way I see it. Preacher complains, well, the people don't get involved as much as I want to get involved. It goes both ways. If all of us would stop complaining and murmuring and start praying and rejoice in the abiding presence of Christ, we would be able to accomplish great things for God in your personal life, in your family life, and in your church life. Make America great again. How about church people start praying again? How about that? How many are going to come to that rally? Pray. Pray fervently. Pray desperately. Pray. Pray until God takes away the desire that you and I have for whatever that worldly trinket is that we just have to have. Pray. Be fervent in your prayers. Be diligent in your prayers. But pray. Our flesh will get us off track and derail. Our flesh wants to complain. It has to be comfortable. It has to. And as soon as there's a discomfort, I, I got to murmur. I got to complain. I mean, the doctor couldn't fix me up quicker. 
Get somewhere else to go. But the spirit dwelling in you is a little bit of a self-correction that should be built into us. Is building power of the Holy Spirit. The young people that go to go to Bible school might go to seminary, whatever you want to call it. Man, preacher, man, teach me how to preach. Teach me how to witness. Teach me how to pass out tracts. Teach me how to build a big Sunday school. Teach me how to build a big church house. How about teach me to pray? And that one, the disciples asked Jesus. Could have asked Jesus anything. They never one time asked him, teach me how to preach. Teach me to pray. You know what the deep theology in that is? We all need to be taught to do it. Pray. 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 Always. Always. Ephesians 5. Verse 20. Bible says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Man, you read both of those verses together. That's one complete sentence. Uh, I, uh, let me correct myself. That is not, it starts in verse number. Uh, is it 18? Yeah, it starts in verse number 18. But be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It kind of, st- it, it, it starts off good. Verse number 20. Okay, yeah, sure. I can give thanks always for all things. And then and then verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God? How can I be thankful in that? I don't know, but God said it. Young people, there's going to be a day in your life where you're going to grow up and you're going to realize, I don't like the rules that dad has. Young ladies, you're going to grow up and there's going to be a day in your life where you're going to think to yourself, you know what? I don't like mama's rules. I think that's too mean. I think that's too strict. I think. Can you give thanks? Can you submit yourself? Not in the act of doing, but in the, in your spirit. Yeah, you know what? I don't I don't need to be so disagreeable. I, 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 I want to. You tell me if that's an easy verse or a tough verse. Is that a tough one? I think it is. We don't like to submit ourselves one to another. Guys, that's for us too. It doesn't sound manly, does it? I'm not submitting to nobody. I'm a self-made man. Well, maybe you need to not be that way. Maybe we need to be a blood ball 
saved man that's willing to just give thanks always, even if it means submitting to my mean boss. Or young people, if you're saved, submitting to your mean parents. They're not really mean. They just love you. God's not mean. He just loves you. He's got some expectations. God's word has some expectations for you. Just submit to it with a spirit that says, you know what? I can give thanks. I can get, I can get thanks about that. Always got to do that. Last verse, Acts 24. Acts 24. Bible says in verse number 16, Acts 24, verse 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. The best way to live your life down here before God and before men, keep your conscience clear. If a conversation has to be had, have it so you can clear your conscience. If there's something between you and another man, or if there's something between you and another brother, if there's something between you and and somebody, if you need to have the conversation, have it to clear your conscience. It's a free, relieving feeling to know your conscience is clear before God. You did right. You, You tried to handle it right. Try to do that always. Try to pray always. Try to rejoice always. And you can be strengthened by Christ always. You can be content always. You know why? Because the presence of Christ doesn't reside in a piece of bread. Where you have to come to church to get some presence of Christ. No. You can do all those things always because and only because. You have the 100% presence of Christ within you, always. He said, he'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe God to be true? I do. You've got the Holy Spirit, 100%, his presence in you. It will allow you to do all the always things that we talk about. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.